your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to look at Luke, I should say Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, both of those tonight. Christmas to behold, and in quotes, because that's our key word. And we're going to see how it works in the Christmas story. But let me ask, start off with a question tonight for you. In your mind, what do you think of when you try to put together God's sovereignty and Christmas? What story or event or thing that takes place during the Christmas story in the Bible, in those two books, you think of, oh, wow, they, yeah, that's definitely the sovereignty of God working in that situation or that difficulty or whatever it was. What do you think? What comes to your mind? Sovereignty and Christmas. Anybody? Lots of them. Go ahead. Mike. Okay, just God revealed himself to Zacharias and then Mary and then Joseph. Yep, he's in control of all those things. What else? Yes. Yes, the God's sovereignty that they had to go to their hometown in order for Jesus to be in Bethlehem, who was the son of David, to fulfill a prophecy. All those sovereignties, right? What else? Cammy. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it was just an accident. It's God's sovereignty, right? To happen to be at the temple at the right time, at the right place, you know, all those things. All those are really good ones. What about the bad ones in Christmas story? Everybody always goes to the good ones, right? Go ahead. Yes, King Herod wanted to kill all the baby boys. But did he kill Jesus? No. All right. So even in difficult sovereignties, God is good. What else? What other sovereign things? I'll give you one. Tell me something about God's sovereignty in the Magi. Doreen? They went to Jerusalem instead of Bethlehem right away. What else? How about when they're leaving? Yeah, they went back another way, which would have caused trouble if they went a bit back and, and reported to Herod, right? What else? Sovereignty and the story of Christmas. Anything else come to mind? Yes. Yes, God's sovereignty and timing of both genealogies coming together and also bringing Jesus into the world that, you know, as Galatians 4 says, at just the right time, right? Yes. I heard this was true, and I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a, a, a scholar when it comes to Middle East and everything, but I'm told that the shepherds in Bethlehem were the shepherds that were responsible for preparing the lambs for sacrifice. <coughs> Yeah, that's actually true, and especially near that time of the year as well, because you wouldn't be outside. They would usually be in pens and other places, and so there was a reason for that, and that's, that's the best 
can't be dogmatic about, but that's the best explanation for it. Yeah. Anyone else? God's sovereignty. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. And, and here's what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you up front, because it's going to take a little Bible study and it's going to take a little time. So we're going to do two things. I'm going to pose this to you. I'm going to show you Joseph and how God's sovereignty worked in his life and his response to it and all that goes with it. And I'm going to show you Mary simultaneously, but not knowing the other person's doing it. Which, by the way, before I even get there, I'll give you an easy up, uh, up front one. It's, do you know this? God can do sovereign things about the same situation in your life and someone else's life at the same time without either one of you knowing that each other is going through it. Did you know that? Now, that is incredible. I don't know if you ever picked up that in the Christmas story. God is doing all kinds of amazing, we're looking at things in Joseph's life, all these things he's working out, and he's doing the same thing in Mary's life, and they don't even know that each other knows, right, about those things. Because he, you know what? He can control, let me give you the outline, ready? If I can get my notebook open, that would really help. Um, here's the outline. God is sovereign over every person in the Christmas story. And if you want to take these one at a time at home and study them, you're welcome to because they're all great in themselves. Every person, including Zacharias, Mary, Joseph, Herod, Magi, all of them. And it's interesting to look at every single one of them and how God did it. He's also sovereign over every place. There are geographical locations in Matthew 2 that... In, that Prophecy had to be fulfilled in those places at the right time. And God is in control and sovereign over every place in the Christmas story. And the last one, God is sovereign over every problem in the Christmas story. He has all of them worked out about people trying to murder and trying to come here and do this. And the Magi, whether they come or not, or whether it's the right time, and all of those things. And so I want you to see tonight that God is in control of it all. And of course, we're going to find out in our own lives, He is just as sovereign and, and just is in control of all the people, places, and problems in our lives. All right? So I gave you it all up front. Please don't leave before I get done, though. Here's our key word. Now, here's, let's start our, our study together. Chapter 1 and verse 20. We're going to go through and just circle the words first, and then we're going to come back and give explanation. So the key word is behold, a Christmas to behold. Now, in, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, edu is a word that means to behold. We would really say today, we would say, oh, look, and we'd put an exclamation point behind it. And we'd say it with some passion and intensity because when the Bible uses it, it's supposed to get your attention. That's the, the idea. In other words, you're going along and this is the, one of the things in the story you're not supposed to admit because, uh, miss because it's really crucial. So think about that in the Bible when you hear the word. There are bunches of them in our text. Ready? Chapter 1 and verse 20. Now before I give you the rest of them, four out of six of them, out of the six in Matthew's Christmas story, have to do with angelic appearances. So I want you to think this. Four or six of them have to do with heaven. God coming through the angels and speaking what he wants them to say. Two out of the six, one has to do with the magi and one has to do with the star in the sky. And those are things on earth. So I would tell you tonight that one of the biggest lessons I learned in the structure or framework is, is that Jesus' birth is the bridge between heaven and earth. 
the whole idea of looking at the 30,000 foot view of the Christmas story in Matthew's gospel is to see this, that heaven and earth have been separated from each other for so long because of sin. And now in the birth and coming of Jesus, heaven and earth one more time can be brought back together. That's an oversight of the whole passage. Chapter 1, verse 20, circle it in your Bibles. Um, Let me find the right verse here. But as he considered these things, there it is, first one, behold. All right? Now, again, it's going to be numerous ones building a story on top of each other. Chapter 1, verse 23, this one happens to be an angel giving a prophetic scripture, which happens to be Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. We tackled that last Sunday. Chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, see, wise men. These are all sovereign events that God is orchestrating. Now, another thing, you can't see it in, in the English as much, but in the original language, there is a little word, a two letter word, day, which begins almost every one of these verses in the opening paragraph after the genealogy about Jesus. And what it does is it tries to tell you it's connecting. All of the events. Now, in your mind, you may look at all of these things, and please don't do this in the Bible because it's not a good way to study it. Don't look at things and stories and parables as disconnected from everything else. All the things that God puts. Remember, this is a big story. These are not just a little events. And we, and we do mistake to teach our children about Zacchaeus and, and as if he had nothing to do with anything else in Luke. Um, and... and Commercial, ready? Rebecca McLaughlin is coming out with a teen and children's book coming out in January of this next year about how to read the Gospels to your children in a story way and not an individual event way. And she understands the importance of doing that so your kids don't grow up and think that God's Word is a bunch of Aesop fables with morals behind them. Um, It's way more than that. And that's what God wants you to see. And these are events all connected by what God behind the scenes is doing to show his sovereignty and to bring about his purposes. And so before I finish the beholds, let me show you Matthew 1, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 24. All of those in a row have that little connecting D-E word in it to show you that God is working and all the little details and all the little things of putting things in people, he has, I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me just say this, he's controlling it all. I'm going to break it down and show you in a minute how much so. Back to our first list. Next is chapter 2 and verse 9. Chapter 2 and verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold... So the next thing is he brings the Magi, and he brings them to Herod. Now he brings the star. Chapter 2 and verse 13 says, Now when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Okay, we do not have time tonight. It's such a cool study. You should do it on your own. Go home to, and get a piece of paper. I did it this week. And put two ledgers up there. Old Testament Joseph, Gospel Joseph. Joseph in Genesis, you know, you know the story of Joseph and, Gen- and the Joseph of Jesus' dad. And just let me, I'll give you a little teaser. Ready? Did you know that they both were people who had dreams in their lives and lots of them? 
and the content of the dreams, you should talk about them. Did you know that both of their father's name were Jacob? Did you know that both of them had people over them, that kings over them, that were very wicked uh, that they were under? And, and, and that's just the beginning of story. But go back and contrast in the story what role this Joseph and that Joseph plays and see if you can come up with some things. It's a really great study. That was free. No, that was extra. Chapter 2, verse 19 is the last one in this section. And it says, But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared. So you've got in this story, Magi, Herod, living, dying, and all these things. And God says, you know what? I bring you here, and I take you there. I bring you to Egypt, and I bring you back to Egypt. When you come back to Israel, I don't let you go back to this place. I make you go to this place. And then when it's safe, you can come back to that place. See, because God is in control of kings. Now, see, I told you tonight God was sovereign enough to get the little thing I ordered in the mail on the day that I wanted it and needed it or thought I did anyways, right? He can do that. But did you know this? He's also in control of international things. He's in control of kings and who they can kill and who they can't kill and what they do and what they don't do and when they live and when they die. Do you know that he's in control of presidents and senators and foreign powers? And he's in control of Putin and Russia. And he's in control of the war in, in Ukraine. He's in, do you know he controls all of those things? I read a Puritan quote. It sounds simple, but think about it. It's profound. It says, every providence that God allows into your life is absolutely necessary. And every providence that is not in your life was not necessary. You think about that. That seems so simple. I'll just... You think about it this week. It is profound. Just think the first half. Every single providence that comes into your everything is absolutely necessary if you could only see why. Because God is in control. And Spurgeon said there is no maverick molecule. That's how much he's in control of everything. So let me show you how it works. Chapter 1 and verse 20 of Matthew. And we haven't even gone to Mary. Chapter 1 and verse 20 reads, but as he considered these things. It's a Greek word that always talks about your thoughts and about your thinkings. Today we would say this, he's mulling it over. He's really giving some deep consideration to it. Um, and here's what he's thinking about. If I divorce Mary publicly, they may do awful things to her. If I divorce her privately, it'll help her, but it will basically ruin her life. If I don't divorce her, and I actually thought about marrying her, it would ruin my reputation as a Sadiq, someone who's righteous before God. Because the only reason I would ever go ahead and marry her knowing that she's pregnant is if people would think that I was the one who impregnated her. So he's mulling over in his mind, how do I love God, how do I love Mary, and how do I protect my own reputation? And as he's considering and thinking through all these things, now let me say this, can I tell you this? God knows everything you're thinking. He's sovereign over that. He knows, even tonight, thinking of Jody, he knows, God, am I going to have enough to do this bill and do this? He knows he knows all the things. And it's interesting, in the text, the, word, the words used, even that Mary uses, are words that begin with a prefix that means to talk back and forth in your own mind. Have you ever done that? 
You ever sit down and say, oh, you know what? If I have this much money, I'm going to do this. But if I do this, I won't be able to pay for that. And which one should I let go? And it, see, he knows all that. That's how much he is aware of your life and every detail and every part of it. And here's what he says. As he considered these things, as he went back and forth in his mind, God knows your situation. He knows your thoughts. He knows why you're thinking this and the options you're going through. He knows all of it. Number two, God knows not only your thoughts and your situation, but he knows your feelings because look what the verse says. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Both Joseph and Mary are told by the angel, don't be afraid. You know why? Because he was going to ask them to do things and they knew the consequences and results would not be good. He is going to take her as his wife, which would have been his last option. In fact, I'm not even sure it was on the table. Because he knows what it means for him. He has built his whole life, probably 18 to 20 years old, right? He has planned everything out. And now every plan he ever thought has just gone down the tubes. And to make Mary his wife, in his mind, would have been the worst thing and most complicating thing he can do. And I'm sure when the angel says, don't be afraid, he really, really was. Can I tell you, listen, what are you going through? And by the way, as humans, it's normal that we have a lot of feelings that go with it. A lot of feelings that go with it. You can fight depression. You are anxious about what's going to happen, not going to happen. You know why? Because you can't control the situation any more than Joseph could understand his and control it. And we have fears, fears of if I make this choice and I do what I know the Bible says to do, what will this cost me? Will I lose my job? What will happen to my marriage? What about my kids? So he knows all of those things. And number four, I put on your paper, God knows, listen, this is important, he knows your culture. And I think it's good for me to say that in our church because you know what? Not everybody has things affect them and it's the same thing just because you're an American. You know that, right? Because if you do things in the typical American culture, but if you're from another culture and you come to our country, you do things in your culture and it affects you differently. See, someone like me, I could get away with it, but maybe not in your culture. And the expectations are different. See, the Bible says that you shall call his name Jesus. Everybody knows that the parents decide on the name but when you let the angel tell you, you let God tell you what your name, the baby's name is, like Zacharias and Elizabeth named him John, and everybody was flabbergasted because there's no one in your family named that. It should have been Joseph Jr., not Jesus. But see, they had to let control. Isn't that the hardest thing to do? Isn't that the hardest thing? Isn't that the God, you're sovereign, but I know I want to be in control. God, you're really in control, but I would like to be in control. And see, that's the hardest thing about a Christmas to behold. Behold and look how God is working. But see, you and I can see all the pieces and how the puzzle fits together. Joseph didn't have this story to go by because he was right in the middle of it and it hadn't been completed yet. Turn over to Luke, if you would. Luke chapter 2, at 1 and 2, sorry. I want to briefly show you the same pattern. that you can go by for Mary. 
Let's do the beholds first. Luke chapter 1 and verse 31. Verse 30 for context. And the angel said to her, here it is, the same phrase, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. As I'm reading, remember, happening at the same time, but they don't know it. Because God can work in your life and people around you and your boss and your spouse and your children and your neighbors all at the same time. You know that, right? 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and shall call his name Jesus. Verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now see, God knows, because Joseph didn't get one. And I don't think this is stereotypically a guy needs this and a girl doesn't, but I think in this case it was. Mary needed to see someone who had gone through what she had gone through and very similar and how God had done it in her life. She needed to see it. Have you ever been, you know why small groups are great? Because you sit back and you talk with people and they're gone through what you've gone through. Right? Do you know why Jamie and Chuck can go down, and I watched them. We go down to Kensington on the streets, and you talk to them, and they go to help out people in meetings on their own. And you know why? They've been, because they've gone through those things, and someone, you talk to them, and I, yeah, I've been there already. I know exactly what you're talking about, because I already did that. Mary needed that. She needed to see Elizabeth. Remember it says, she who's called barren. In other words, she couldn't have children for her whole life, and God gave her a son. Listen, not just a child. Because if you are an Israelite woman, you just didn't want to have a baby. You wanted to have a baby boy. Because that meant that God had blessed you. If you went your whole life and only had women, it was very, very low status. For our little girls. But if you're going to have one child, the only child you're going to get, and God brought it when you shouldn't be having children because you're past that time, and that child happens to be a boy. See, that's impossible except with God. Mary needed to see that God could do the impossible. In fact, doesn't she say it later? For with God, nothing is impossible. That's what she's told. You know what? She's seen it in, in Elizabeth's life, and she knows it. Chapter 1 and verse 38. And these are all bunched together. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant, the slave of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Now there are more, but I want to stop right here. Let me give you before my time runs out. Here's what you want to, I want you to take home tonight. And I want you to meditate it on all this week if you can. And that is this, the number one proper response to God's sovereignty in every case in your life is obedience. Your number one responsibility in every act of sovereignty of God in your life is obedience. Watch Joseph's obedience when he doesn't understand all of it. Watch Mary's obedience when she doesn't understand it. It took Zacharias a little longer to get around the corner. He had to be muted first for a while, but when he gets the, the thing about John's name right, God and stops that too. It took him a little longer. But can I tell you this? God is going to bring in 2023, if he hasn't already this year, some very difficult sovereign providences in your life. He is. And you will have a myriad of choices 
that you will face as possible responses to God's sovereignty in your life. Because there will be much more options to take the easier route and the things that makes you comfortable and what makes you popular and that you don't have to be you know, be confrontational about it, and you don't have to make people upset by it, or you don't have to be different than everybody else, and it will be much more pleasant and easier to handle. Or you can choose to be obedient to exactly what you know he wants you to do. See, that's why we love Joseph and Mary, right? Because they had the most difficult sovereign provinces come in their lives, and when she says this, you know, listen, let it be to me According to your word, I don't look at God's provinces and sovereignty on my own terms. You do to me, Jesus, Mary says, you do to me, God, whatever you say. Whatever you say. Very difficult, is it not? That's a Christmas to behold. Verse 44. For behold... Elizabeth says, the sound of your greeting came to my ears. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Verse number 48 is in the Magnificent itself. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Chapter 2 and verse 25 Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous, Sadiq like Joseph, and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Behold is verse 25. I know it says now there was, but it's really the word behold. Chapter 2 and verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Behold, now listen to this. This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. See, when you have a Christmas to behold and you follow the sovereignty of God with obedience, can I tell you this? Get ready. There will be swords in your heart. To follow and obey God's provinces and sovereignty is painful. It is difficult. It will cause sorrow. It will cause other hearts to be critiqued and people around you to see the difference. And it will be a very difficult, very difficult circumstance and situation in your life. See, if you ask, see, Jesus, having him in your life is not just the romantic manger and the lights in the crib. There's a sword in it. And eventually, we'll even say this, it's a cross in it. 234, or did I just read that one? Thank you, 34. Now, again, I don't have time tonight, but last thing I want to tell you, I got three and a half minutes. How do I do that, Pastor Walker? I mean, really, take on the sword, the pain, the difficulty, be obedient when I want to do everything but that, when the sovereignties are hard, how do I, how do I manage to do that on a regular basis? I'm going to tell you the overarching principle. There are a lot of quotations of scripture all throughout the Christmas story, especially when it comes to Joseph and Mary. Here's what I think you have to have if you're going to be like them. You know what it is? You have to live out the bigger story every day. 
Mary and Joseph realized that there was a Messiah was coming. Re- listen to her magnificent. Remember, re- listen to how she, as a 12 or 13-year-old girl, and I would say, not to be rude, better scholarly and knowing the Bible than most older adults I've known. She knew it. And that's a lot because girls didn't get to go to school very long, just till they were about eight or nine. That was it. So she really knows this. She's done some work on her own. But listen to her quote scripture and talk about it and what God's going to do. Here's why. Mary and Joseph saw themselves in every day and everything that came into them as part of a bigger story. Hear me this. Please listen to this. They looked at the providences that were so hard in their life not to be mainly about them. They saw everything in their life to be mainly about him. You cannot live the American dream. You cannot live when you are the main character in your story. If you're the person that the story revolves around and you make all the choices, you decide the people and the places and the problems, and you control them and you work them out. And if the story is you're the author, you're writing it, and you're the main character, and you're the center of it, you'll never be able to respond in obedience the way that they did. Because you wouldn't write those things into your story. And when they come, you will do everything in your power to write them out, to edit them. It's only when you say, see, God, I'm looking at this providence and this sovereign move in my life. is difficult. I see, what do you want me to see how I can have this take place and tell your story and live your story? How can this event in my life, as hard as it is, point to you? But we don't normally think that way. It's not something that's on our minds daily. It's not something that is the crux and the foundation of our decision-making process on a regular basis. And so we find it very difficult to handle providences and difficulties, including little things like traffic lights and traffic jams and prices that are over. We don't see those things the way that I think Mary and Joseph did. And you know how I know this? Read the end of Luke 2 when it says, And Mary pondered all of these things and kept them in her heart. The word ponder is legizomai. It means to reckon. It is actually a financial term. And it means to calculate and think in your mind, how does all of this add up? You know what Mary and Joseph were? They They became believers and they didn't turn their minds off. They knew how to think through things, daily things, biblically in their mind, because they knew the story. They knew it, and they knew how to live in it, and what the patterns of it were, and what would happen in your life. If this happened, there's a reason, and what's the reason, and how does that point to God? See, they knew all of that. It wasn't easy, but they knew that, and they knew how to live it. And the question is, do you? Do I? Do I know how to do that? I won't be able to face 2023 unless I'm able to work on that and continually progress in doing better at that. That's why I encourage you tonight as we close, go back again and read these stories. Joseph and Mary and how they looked at life and everything God sovereignly put in their life and how they responded and how, they, how could they respond that way. What did they have that we don't? And you'll find... But there's a lot to work on in our lives.
as we look into the new year. Let's pray. Father, at Christmas to behold, truly there were so many things that you wanted to get our attention and draw our focus to. We do desire to be like Joseph and Mary, to see ourselves in the story and that we're just smaller characters. We're not the main thing. You are. See, that's what it means to have Jesus in the world. That's why we know that we, there will be pain and there will be swords and there will be crosses and there will be losses and our reputation and there will be lacking things and people will take things. And, but we can't be surprised by these things, can we? Because that's what you did and that's what all those who invited you into their lives experienced. So, Master, as we face a new year, may we see it differently because we're living in a different story, the story of your salvation. Help us to live accordingly for your glory and honor alone. In Christ's name, amen.